Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, 4 p.m., which means it's time for the Monster Maverick Show. And if you guys are, are new to the show, you might not know that I have another show, which is on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, called Tax Sherpa Stories. And Krim was just offering me some, some graphical help, because I just, my graphics are terrible for Tax Sherpa Stories. I need graphics, I need the theme song. I was talking to Azaria last night, she's the one who made the theme song you just listened to. We're going to listen to another, another composition of hers a little bit later. But... Yeah, I need, I need help on the tax stories. stories. <laughs> with love, yes, it was with love. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm well aware that my my 10 minute, you know, I don't even have Photoshop. I use paint.net because, you know, it's freeware. So I'm well aware that my skills are, do not lie in the graphical arena or the musical arena for that matter. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for getting the help of experts like Krim. You know, if you ever see, so Krim's got two shows also. She's got, uh, She's got, I forget the names of them, but they're on the MSP Wave schedule. It's Thursday nights and then Saturdays. Cyberbus Saturday, I remember that one. And then the metal show uh, is on Thursdays. But she's got, she's got like multi-channel streaming stuff and graphical overlays and it's fancy. So she's clearly uh, a much better expert there. So if you're, if you're here in the Discord channel, great. That's really the place to be. That's where the live chat happens. Biz, we're going to get into that. Don't worry. But you can also watch the the the, the stream live. There's, we have, <laughs> we have these three video sources. We've got the MSP Wave site, which which Ron is talking about how it's a custom site and so much better than WordPress, is which what they used to have. There's Vim. There's Theta. That's all good. If you're not here live and you're listening on the replay, either on YouTube or on one of the podcast networks, then I invite you to come next time and join us live because it's, it's way more fun. It's all interactive and everything. Anarchist is subscribing. Excellent. And it looks like something is going on with the bot and Ron needs to fix that because uh, the bot should be off. Because, uh, you know, when there's not a live show, they play as jukebox, various uh, songs and everything through throughout the day, 24 hours a day. So you're, there's always something to listen to. But when the live shows are on, the bots are supposed to be off. So, yeah, come on by on Mondays for Tax Sherpa Stories, Tuesdays for Monster Maverick, two very different shows about uh, very different things. But, you know, fun is had by all. So that's my, that's my spiel about my other show. <laughs> you know, standard stuff. I like to, I like to get into the, into, the, into the beginning of every show. You know, we have our, our services, me and Gerber. We have Deck 101. That's the service where if you have court cards, normally rewards cards, but any kind of card, you send it to deck 101, it pays you back in dark energy crystals, 101% of the burn value. So you make more. And it is, if you're selling anything for less than like 10% over the burn value, then between market fees and waiting and everything, then you're better off, in my opinion, just sending to deck 101. And then we have deck 404. So deck 404, we're going to talk a, a lot about today. So deck 404 is the account splitting service where we have, we have gamer accounts in, in our custody where the owners of cards will delegate to the gamer account. A player who wants to play without investing a whole heap of money in Splinterlands comes in and plays, and then split rewards. Very simple, very programmatic, and it's, it's pretty, pretty low friction. You know, it's, it's very easy to get in and get out of. The, all the rewards cards in that are sent through Deck 101. That's where we make money. But all the Dark Energy Crystal values are split 50-50. Uh, between the owners and the players and you know that's just you know there's no there's no overage or no no fees or anything with that so that's that's deck of 404 over the next 
I don't know, let's say three months, we will be overhauling and doing fun new things, which I can't tell you all any about other than the fact that you're going to be super excited about it. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just keep that in the back of your mind. We're going to be, we're going to be doing great things and I think it's going to, going to kind of blow up a little bit. So I'm excited for that. So things on the agenda for today, announcing an announcement. Absolutely. I have learned from the masters. <laughs> things on the agenda for today though we're going to talk a little bit about more about deck 404 <clears throat> earlier today i just posted a uh, a post going over my results from the last season I made a couple little changes there and we're going to add some some new elements to deck 404 that'll be appealing to to some people and we're going to go over the ama that was on last friday we're going to hit up a new announcement from Splinterlands, which Biz already alluded to. That's the new DEC DAI pair. And then we're going to talk about a little, if we have time anyway, we're going to talk obviously the market values and, and user growth and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, there's some issues in lower leagues with, <laughs> there's some issues in the lower leagues with, with game liquidity. So we're doing, we've joined the fight in in helping out with that so we're, we're get, trying to kind of figure out th some things and you know definitely need some some feedback from the group so we will see how all that goes and how much of it we actually get to so we got a bunch of people filing in we've got anarchist we've got biz we got crim martin d martin d i don't recognize but welcome uh, matt clark matt paul trx we got rondon our producer solo yaba one of our illustrious founders always great to have you so obviously some of this will be reviewed for you because he wrote <laughs> some of the things we'll be talking about, but it's always good to have a different perspective on things, I think. Okay, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So deck 404. Now you would think I would have all this queued up, right? But I don't. <laughs> but here's the post. So in there, you will see this image. And that is a pivot table uh summary of my results there and kind of giving you the the ultra small snapshot of, of everything basically you know seasons at the top 51 52 53 up to 55 which is the season that just ended and we have market values and that's of the the market values of the cards that are working in the deck 404 system on my behalf so deck 404 has other accounts people you know doing up their own thing but these are just my cards so uh, they're delegated from my neil.cards onto the different gamer accounts. And you can see the the number underneath the 55, that 253.169, that's the dark energy crystals earned by my account from the 50% share. And that translates to, if you look in that column, USD season earnings, 242.11, which is, you know, pretty decent. So, you know, then, you know, there's two seasons per month. So 24 seasons per year, annualize that out. That comes out to 5,810, which is, which is all right. You know, I, I've been doing a little bit of shuffling here and there and I screwed up some things and then I had to fix them, but <laughs> I think we're back on track now. Uh, so, you know, I've got, I've got 59, 59,201 in market value working out there and I'm earning in cash flow 5810. So annualize that, that season earnings out, it comes out to 9.8%, which is okay. I'm, you know, I'm decently happy with that because, you know, whenever you're, you're thinking about putting funds into splitter lands or taking funds out or, or doing anything, it's always opportunity cost, right? It's always compared to what, or what else could I be doing with this same capital? And, you know, 9.8% is, is pretty good, you know, so, you know, 
as a cash flow play, that's attractive because if you go to other cash flow plays in you know the legacy financial markets, then your returns are probably going to be lower. You know, dividends are you know a good dividend right now is you know three four percent. You know, bonds are zero to two. If depending on where you are in the world, might be negative. Uh, so you know nine point eight. Let's round it off to ten. That's that's solid. You know. But then I, I realized that I'm a little bit missing the boat because what happens is, as you can see from season 53, 54, 55, that market value keeps going up. And that's because of the growth of the Splinterlands ecosystem. But those are the same cards. You know, I haven't actually been reinvesting anything. So it occurred to me that I really had to be tracking total return. So this is a stock market concept where if you have total return, you count your dividends plus your market gains because that total adds, creates a total value. And so what I did was I, I went back to season 54 and then 55 and, and calculated total total return and then annualized that out. So total return for season 54 ended up being much better than the 6.3% in the season cash flow yield because you know the, there was the market growth of the cards. So that actually, when you annualize that out over 24 seasons, that came out to 102%. And now we're talking, right? That's, <laughs> that's serious returns. And season 55 compared to season 54 dropped a little bit, still increasing, uh, but annualized return on capital is 72%. So now, you know, these kind of numbers, assuming that they maintain, you know, these are home run kind of numbers. And this is why I'm so overweighted into, into Splinterlands in my crypto portfolio, which is, which is a different problem unto itself. But, you know, it's, it's hard to beat 72% or 102% or whatever it is. So that is, that's my earnings report for, for season 55 in, in deck 404. And, you know, yeah, Matt Clark posting, is posting the, the chart here. So earlier in, <laughs> you got to start formatting numerical values. It's true. I do. I do. I need commas. Yeah, you're right. I, I need to do that. But Matt Clark here posted the market cap snapshot from the SM Voter Hut bot. Uh, so you can go into SM Voter Hut in the Splinterlands uh, Discord server and pull up this, pull up this this chart here with the you know dollar sign market cap command, and you can see that since since let's call it September of 2020, so the past four months, it's just been up 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 up. Now before that we had these peaks and troughs, so you know those those periods the total return if I if I had the numbers for them would have been not as attractive, but you know in in the bull market like we're seeing now then you know the gas is on and you know we're just hitting everything so it's it's hard to it's hard to to find you know a better place to, to put your funds at least you know for me so my idle funds you know a lot of you know that i'm big on curve you know the DeFi platform where you pool stable coin against stable coin so you know i'm pooling uh usdt usdc dai usdn and all these things are, are pooled against each other because a lot of trades that appear to be two steps to the user actually go through multiple different stable coins. So the curve is, is the market leader, at least so far, in capturing that order flow. And so they, they give rewards in terms of CRV token to people who provide that liquidity. So that's all great. You can make 50% there. If you're really good, you can make like 100% there because of the staking requirements they have and it's probably beyond the scope of what we're talking about right here but you know that's that's like my default backup plan for all funds but i'm still doing better here than i am over there so you know take that for 
for what it's worth. <laughs> yield plus growth yield. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, everything has value and, and you have to look at that total value. So, yeah, if you could do just yield and live off of that, then you're set. Then you're financially independent and you never have to do another thing in the rest of your life. But most people aren't there. <laughs> so we need the growth in order to get up to the point where we can just take the yield. Because, you know, this is going to be a bit of a separate point. But, you know, it's important, you know, if you're an investor or a business person, entrepreneur, anything like that, you have to know your FU number. And the FU number is the point at which you can tell everybody in your life to FU. <laughs> and, you know, that comes down to having a pile of, a pile of capital in whatever form you want to talk about. And it's generating a yield for you, and you can then live off that yield indefinitely. So that's that's when you have FU money. That's also assuming the yield is sustainable. That is correct, Yama. So, you know, like my FU number is probably, it's somewhere in the 4 million range. Because, you know, even a very conservative portfolio of, you know, you know stocks and bonds and, and whatever else, you know, throwing off you know, whatever it throws off, you know, you, you take a safe withdrawal rate of 3%, then you're at 100, 125,000 uh, a year. And, you know, I can, I can live a very nice life in the United States on, on that amount without any, any kind of worries about anything. So that's my FU number. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still working for a living. I'm still growing my own business, which is tax sharp, by the way. And, <laughs> And uh, I'm working towards that end goal. But it's important to know your numbers. So that that is just general life tip and, and being ready for that. So the other thing with <laughs> LTTstore.com, what is this? Four million realized and kept in cash or kept in investments? Well, this is four million invested. So that, you know, again, th that number assumes a very conservative, you know, portfolio, you know, probably permanent portfolio kind of numbers where you know I'm, I'm in dividend stocks and i'm in long-term uh, bonds and, and everything and and then that's throwing off investment income to me in one way or another so net worth uh, net worth is a slightly different concept just because it includes other things that aren't aren't income producing if you're talking about rich dad poor dad style net worth then yes because under under rich dad poor dad rules you don't count anything that has value but does not generate income net income that is so yeah, so a little tangent there, but <laughs> but uh, the other thing with Tech 404 is that we are opening it to another kind of mode of service, and this is you know yeah, but you might want to close your ears, but this is where people who just want to delegate uh, cards and want more of the money for themselves, <laughs> and basically this is going to be you know our you know our in-house you know, botting service essentially, and basically you know that 50-50 split goes away and the owner of the cards gets both sides so there is there is that the just making people aware of that there is a caveat with all this is that our our strategies are not optimized towards eking every last penny out of out of splinterlands it's not going to enter tournaments for you it's not going to place for packs for you but it'll it'll be an active uh, player that that runs and you know wins more than it loses and and will depending on what collection power you have it you know staked in the account will be you know a viable player in those in whatever league that is whether it's a silver league you know card account or a gold league or a diamond league so just uh, be aware that th that there is that and if you guys are interested in that go ahead and you know hit me up on the dms and i'll bring you into the to the deck 101 discord server or you can hit up gerber you know that, that works too 
So I just want to make that little announcement that that is there. But that is kind of it for the Deck 404 service section. I did want to hit on the AMA that was last Friday. Agro shared a couple interesting numbers, and I thought they were worth repeating here. So 60,000 registered users, 19,500 spellbooks, and 175 signups per day, 20 to 25 spellbooks per day. And that's kind of the averages of, of you know, what's been going on recently. So that's, that's super interesting because hello jben1300 so that that's pretty interesting because when we look at you know hive data dot space slash statistics slash splinterlands which is rafalski's uh, statistics site when we look at the users number we got let's do all uh, so this this number right here is just peaked at i think that's the highest peak we've had 6966 right there so if if the number's 19,500 then 6966 is is a good fraction of that. So that is wait for banjo. Wait for banjo. There we go. A 35%. So that is not bad for what that's saying is that the stickiness of accounts is 35 36%. So of all the people that have ever had accounts you know, paid accounts in Splinterlands, 36% of them have stuck around through all the ups and downs of the crypto market and through all the ups and downs of the attractiveness of the gameplay. So I think that's actually really strong. I'm very pleased with that with that ratio because, you know, you're always going to have churn in, in anything. So managing to keep 36% over the, over the, you know, two, three years that it's been is, I think, doing great. Matt Clark is, is dropping an image here. These are <laughs> Larimer chains getting it done on dapradar.com. So yeah, Larimer, Dan Larimer, he he's the developer behind BitShares and Steam, which is now forked and become Hive, and EOS, and which is forked to become a million things, but one of them is Wax. So, you know, the great thing about the the delegated proof of stake blockchains is that the transaction costs are very very low, and you know, some in some cases free. It depends on kind of how you look at it, but very very low regardless. So lots of games are being developed on these platforms like splinterlands uh, like upland like alien worlds which uh, i was actually looking i heard something about alien worlds recently but i haven't looked at it you know i i have like no time for more games so i'm kind of stuck you know it's it's tax season i am super busy i am even falling behind on my own splinterlands account so unfortunately extra games are not are not in the cards for me you know maybe when i hit my fu number then <laughs> then we'll have a bit more time to to play with but but yeah so i'm i'm super i'm super excited about these these growth numbers you know 20 to 25 spell books a day you know the 175 signups that's that's great but you know it's really spell books that are sold converted into new accounts that that really matter to me so 2025 is is a great is a great number you know they had said that they're on track to be basically doubling the user base over the next you know 12 months so that's super exciting acidio posted about alien worlds okay great so check out acidio's pace posts i believe i believe acidio is a she i'm not 100 sure about that but but yeah check it out because some people have expressed things to me in that you know it's it's you know cannibalizing so you know one one game will acids a heath all right <laughs> i you know so you know we are still in the infancy phase of 
of, of blockchain gaming. So I, I'm really strongly, obviously, on board with the whole, on the whole thesis that blockchain gaming is going to be a huge part of gaming into the future simply because people wanting to own their own game assets is attractive. And so we are in such the infancy stage that, you know, any exposure of anybody from the outside coming into blockchain gaming is growing the pie. So, you know, it's when, when the industry matures in 20 years and then, you know, we're talking about gaining market share versus other games, then fine. Then you can have those arguments. But at this point, the more people in blockchain gaming at all, inc you know, is a tide that's lifting all boats. And I hope that's enough to mix metaphors for you on that one. <laughs> but overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, with the Spellbook growth. And I want to obviously see that increase. You know, the more players, everything comes down to user growth. The more players that come in, the the better that we all do. And you can see that in Matt Clark's market cap image right there. We're at the at an all-time high of 6.7 million of, of you know market value in the cards. Same moon. That's right. Absolutely, Matt Clark. Another thing that was mentioned in <laughs> Frankie. Frankie, you're killing me. Anyway. In the in the AMA, they also talked about they're working on the rentals. So you know the new rental system is going to be soon-ish. You know it's now February 2021. They've been talking Q1, so maybe this month, maybe next month, maybe April. But the interesting things are that you know there's going to be fixed rental contracts that can't be pulled by the owner, meaning that under the old system, you know somebody delegates a card to a player, and then the player can then play it, but the owner could pull that back at any time. And the way Peak Monsters uh, handled it is that there were escrows and there were basically penalty charges to doing that. So there's a disincentive, but still could be done. What's up, exactly? Hey, Darren. Thanks for joining the show. Flowey, Yasik, more Michael B. Everybody, welcome, welcome. If I if I don't welcome you specifically, I'm just, you know, talking. So <laughs> I don't see every little thing. But you know, in the new system, the 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 owner won't be able to pull the the contract away from the renter so that that's interesting the total the total rental cost will be pre-funded on the front end and then in, be held in escrow and then paid out to the card owner over time and you know there the 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 borrower can break the contract from what i understand and you know they're obviously yeah but and the team are well aware of the issues with cooldown periods and tournaments you know use and all that kind of stuff and th those will be addressed so, I, you know, when I've heard Jarby talk about it, he's talking about uh, a kind of system where it's, it's like you as the borrower, you're not so concerned about like which exploding dwarf that you want. You just need an exploding dwarf, right? So it can, it can be filled and then it can be, you know, the, the, the actual card could be swapped in and out depending on the circumstances in the marketplace, but you just need an exploding dwarf. So I think that's going to be super interesting to see. And there's going to be some functionality you know, sufficient minimum functionality on the actual Splinterland site. And then from what I understand, you're also going to get extra functionality in reporting and, and whatever else on the Peak Monster site. So, you know, I think that's going to be super cool. I know Jarby has been soliciting feedback on, on what owners would like to see in terms of, you know, portfolio views and returns and all that kind of thing. So if you have thoughts on that, talk to Jarby. I'm sure he'd be interested. I know there's, he posted something a, a while back asking for those comments and there've been some, but you know, more feedback is always better. 
Uh, other developments from the AMA iOS app is being submitted this month, which is exciting. You know, this the the mobile app's been in the Google Play Store for about two months now, and Apple obviously is a, is its own large ecosystem. So, it'd be great to get you know those eyes available to be coming on to Spinnerlands. <laughs> Anarchist is not a fan of iOS, apparently. But, you know, a million, however many people have Apple phones. I have an Apple phone right here. <laughs> Apple hates blockchain. Yeah, they, they do, but, you know, they do like money. So that'll probably be a thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it, it's just, you know, more exposure, the better. It's, and it's all about user growth. We, we need, you know, one of the things Agro shared uh, a while back was, you know, from Ubisoft, they they look at like the minimum where you're like a thing is like 50,000 active users a day. So we're at about 10% of that, maybe a little bit higher, 11%, 12%. But we got a ways to go in order to get to that, to, to that big boy level. And then, and then things become, you know, way more interesting on the, on the, on the PE side of things and could have good things in store for, for us little guys. So, you know, it, it's all about getting to that point. And if, if, people are on iOS and are interested in playing, then go to iOS and get those people playing. And the other thing that Yabba was talking about was that, you know, there's going to be, over time, there's going to be a shift in battles towards the current editions. So right now we've got Alpha, we've got Beta, we've got Untamed. After Untamed runs out, which will be a while, we're going to have Chaos Legion as the current edition. And so over time, there's going to be a shift towards emphasizing battles using those current edition cards. And this is typical with, with trading card games. So those alphas and betas, you know, might not be able to be used as much in battles. However, there will be, you know, alpha tournaments and, and those kind of things, you know, for the foreseeable future. But at the same time, we now have, or we will have soon, you know, in the next 12 months, we're going to have lands. And, you know, so there will always be that utility function of those older edition cards but it's just something to keep in mind. So if you have cards on deck 404, like I do, the vast majority of those are alpha and beta because I just have a lot of those from those days. I have a, I have a max level deck. I have the equivalent of a max level deck in Untamed, but I don't really have, you know, like 10 different decks like I do in beta. You know, Pokemon has different types of matches. So, you know, whatever the, whatever case you want to look at it, there's going to be less battle utility for alphas and betas, and that will be replaced by, you know, lands utilities. So, at some point, I'm going to have to swap out all my teams, you know, for that are, that are in those Alpha and Beta cards and put in Untamed and Chaos Legion, or maybe just Chaos Legion at that point. Who knows? But it's just something to be aware of. And, you know, it's, you know, people, people will complain about any change, <laughs> basically, because there's only one complaint in, in crypto is that I want to do more and I want to do less and make more. <laughs> Flowey says he keeps selling his cards, but my collection value keeps going up and up and up. Uh, that's true. You know, I've, Gerber has actually complained about the same thing. He's like, he's selling as many cards as he can, but his, he still has too much money in Splitterlands for, for his comfort level. So, you know, those, those were the things that I took away from the AMA. Obviously, there was a whole hour of stuff. There should be recording. Agro usually gets, it done, gets the recording done. Sometimes there's technical errors. But, but yeah, I, I find that to be pretty, you know, the summary that, that at least I was interested in taking notes on. So Solo is asking, do you think owning a few unopened packs of Alpha, Beta, and Untamed might be a good investment one day? Well, that's a good question. So let's take a look at the Leo decks. Because I have, I have one unopened Alpha deck, or Alpha pack, rather. 
And, you know, you got to figure, chances are it's four commons and a rare. <laughs> but, you know, it might have a gold foil legendary. Who knows? You know, that's the thing about, you know, randomness. And what's going on with, with Leodex? Why is it going so slow? All right, so you can look up, you know, the, the price histories. And I know we're a little bit limited because we have the whole hive fork thing. But, you know, so they're going for 11 bucks a piece right now. And not a whole lot of volume. There's not a whole lot of trading there. I know, at least last time I talked to him about it, Marky had a whole pile of alpha packs. So, did that paste? Let's try that again. Do, do, do. Copy, paste, upload. Oh, my connection might be going bad. No, everything's green. Am I dropping frames? I don't seem to be. All right. Well, that should show up eventually. Maybe Discord's having problems. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Just popped up all of a sudden for me. Anyway, uh, so 11 bucks. That's, that's you know, considering they were two, you know, that's that's a nice 5X, you know, 6X, something like that. 5.5, whatever you want to talk about. And, you know, that's, that's a solid win. You know, going from two to 11 over two years is good, you know. But, you know, as as things go on you know liquidity dries up so you have to keep that in mind and you can see this this red candle right here between 81 points well, let's call it 82 hive and 55 hive so that's that bid as spread somebody dumped into the bid and somebody bought at the ask and so that's that's a big gap and that's that's the result of the fact that there's not so much liquidity on alpha packs so you know when you're when you're making investment decisions you have to you have to consider the liquidity you know as well as the market uh, value so just obviously make your own financial decisions but that's just something to to be aware of if we look at beta packs obviously not as extreme because there was a lot more beta but you know packs are going for 353 or 355 that is you know a nice solid return on a two dollar pack and you know if you bought in bulk you know much less than two dollars and like a dollar 57 i think was the max discount whatever the case and then you know if we look at untamed now untamed then we're looking at they're going for you know between a dollar 13 and a dollar 34 on the market right now so if we say okay you know they're dollar 34 right now if i buy at the ask and we're looking at some kind of beta-like future, you know, 350, maybe $3, you know, that's still, you know, a 2x return, you know, and some change. So that's, that's certainly, you know, doable. And, you know, if you think the market will be there in the future in order to absorb those, oops, in order to absorb those, those packs, then yeah, that can make a lot of sense. But all, all financial decisions, really all decisions come down to, you know, compared to what, right? So, if you're looking at dropping like a thousand dollars into something, it's like, well, you, know, you got to look at your different options. Look at the different likely for forecast scenarios, and including you know market returns as well as liquidity issues. And so this says, I don't think the cards themselves have done two to eight x gains, have they? Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody was around, I know Matt Clark was around. I, you know, I was screaming from the rooftops about Alpha Commons like for months back when when they were selling and let's take a look at alpha commons right now alpha common okay and can i get a good let's see let's look at the oh this is my collection i need to look at the market view Duh. so alpha regular common there we go 
So the lowest price alpha common right now is nine cents. I was buying these all day for one cent. So that's a nine X right there. The, the, you know, saber shark, let's say, you know, it's going for 29 cents a piece, you know, again, two cents, three cents. I bought thousands of these things. In fact, if we look at my collection, let's see how many saber sharks I have. I really have no idea, but let's do a saber, saber shark. I've got, I've got 2144 BCX worth of alpha saber sharks. And you know, so I bought those literally for two cents a piece, something like that. So what, what is that? So let's say, let's see, 21 or no, let's do, what did I say they were going at? 29 cents, 0.294 divided by 0.02 times 21.44. Let's do minus one to take out the original cost. So yeah, that's, that's ridiculous numbers. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's a little bit uh, misleading there. Let's do, no, I mean, that's, that's kind of right. You know, I, I made like, you know, 11, 12 X on, on my funds there. And Matt Clark is making the point that in physical card games, commons are a waste of space. I figured that mindset would carry over. Guys with four cardboard boxes full of common Magic the Gathering cards aren't going to value Splinterlands commons. But see, the difference is, is that Splinterlands commons, they're great cards. They just, they're just less efficient with mana. So, you know, like Saber Shark is a great card. It's a great sneak. It's, it's fast. It's cheap. It's got decent health. Darren's got all alphas, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was exposing Matt Clark's Flesh Golems. 18,175 alpha Flesh Golems. So he is, I, what is it, like a third? Something like that of the entire supply. Crazy numbers. And even into beta, the flesh golems were more expensive because Matt Clark had quartered the alphas. It's ri ridiculous. I can't believe... <laughs> so a little bit of Swindleland's history for you here. You know, Matt Clark started buying these up before we knew anything about the cards. So there was the pre-launch phase where, hey, we came up with this cool game. We're going to be have card battles and everything. And there's these different cards. That's all we knew. They're like, flesh golem was one of the cards. It wasn't until months later that we found out, oh, it's got Void and, and Heal. And turns out that's really useful on the on the Earth Splinter. But uh, Matt, Matt Clark by himself made the Earth Splinter the most expensive Splinter to, to max out. But, you know, because, you know, Alpha, or because common cards are actually, have, still have great utility in, in Splinterlands matches, they still carry value. Obviously, there are more of them. You know, the print rates are different. So per, per unit, they're going to be lower cost compared to Legendaries but they're still desirable. They're still useful in, in, you know, a great number of matches. And Yama here is saying, one interesting thing I've noticed with NFTs and some other projects is that a lot of times the most common items end up having the largest percentage gains after they go out of print. I think this is because at that point, people just want to get any of them and that they can. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the older cards when land is out and people really want them as workers. Yeah, I, you know, when, when we have like more information about lands and like how the BCX levels compared to the improvement efficiency comes out, obviously there's going to be some kind of optimization there. And that's going to depend on, on the, the structure of production. But it, whatever it is, it's going to require huge numbers of cards to be to be used and then staked into your lands so i'm expecting whenever that happens for prices to to escalate quite a bit and obviously the ones that have fixed supply and that they've hit their print limit 
are going to be that much more volatile than the ones that are currently in print. So, you know, that's that's a little bit of market prediction that we're talking, you know, a year out. It's like so like for me, I have so many cards already. It's very difficult to to look at, you know, getting more because, you know, if I go to my collection here, I've got I've got 186,000 BCX worth of cards, which is a lot. And a lot of those are very high power cards, you know, like gold alpha, gold alpha uh, editions and things like that. So I think I'm, I'm pretty well set on the card department. If it turns out that, you know, alpha and beta get phased out of battle and I can't use them in deck 404, I'll have to put them in lands. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll add more Chaos Legion or Untamed, whatever it is at that point, to, to get into deck 404 accounts. But, you know, we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting year, I think. But another interesting another interesting development that just came out. I love it when they drop updates like the day before <laughs> my show because it gives me more stuff to talk about. And this is the Dark Energy Crystal DAI Uniswap pool, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But before that, you know, every week I like to catch up on Azaria's music. So we're going to play that, and if you want to take a read of the post, you know, you can do that at this point, or just sit back and listen to the music. This one is Anumin, Force of Anumin, something like that. I don't think there's any official pronunciation yet, but... <laughs> oh no, Audius is having a heavy load, and please try again later. My plans have been foiled. Let's try again, see if that works. Okay, homepage works. Let's go to... The actual ah, there we go. You know, refresh fixes almost everything. So let's go ahead and give this one a listen. All right, I <laughs> keep looking for a place where it might have a lull, but you know. So that's about two thirds of the of the track. It goes on for another couple minutes there, and I don't know. That doesn't sound like a dungeon track to me. I'm, I think that'll probably be like maybe some ambient music if you're in like a lands view or something i don't know i'm really curious to see how all these all these elements will come out once we have you know the those different forms of gameplay Let's see how the, those fit into uh the context of everything but i really enjoyed that i think that was a great great little composition there so you know i dropped that link about the dark energy crystal dai pool i always call it die i don't know is it die is it dai i'm just gonna call it die <laughs> deck versus die you know swap pool so the Uniswap pool has been great for, for price stability in Dark Energy Crystals, but it's got issues. So if you look at the Dark Energy Crystal chart here, which I can pull up on TradingView, and let me grab my snip and sketch right there. So it's been like that these these huge vertical bars there's every once in a while there's like a scaling problem on uniswap through training view so it's like off by a factor of a thousand but it, you know this is this has been the market trend so the great thing about having the liquidity pool in uniswap and taking the average price from there as opposed to hype engine is that there's a lot more liquidity which means the price is much smoother so that's all great rather than huge jumps and everything on hive engine However, the flip side of that is that it, the pool is Dark Energy Crystals versus Ethereum. And Ethereum has done this. So let's pull this image. And we got that. If I can get to the right window. 
what's a good time to enter the pool, how to save some money. I'll, I'll get to that in a second, Flowey. So Ethereum's been on a tear, right? We're in a, we're in a bull market, which is fantastic. We're at all-time highs right this second, which as a holder of Ethereum, I'm happy about. Because <laughs> I've got, I don't know, I think I've got like 20 coins, something like that. So yeah, when you have a liquidity pool, the way they function is that you are the market maker which means you are providing liquidity for other people to make trades. So if somebody's coming in and selling dark energy crystals for Ethereum, that means you are doing the other, you are doing the opposite. You are buying dark energy crystals and you are selling Ethereum to that other user. And if one asset in the liquidity pool trends against another, like the one versus the other is, is in a trending uh, market, then the, the, the losing side is what you end up with more of. So the people who have been providing liquidity in the in the deck ETH pool have been losing Ethereum and gaining dark energy crystals. So you know the, the market values of the two things are equal, but you know people are are never happy with with the kind of result there, and that has that has gained the the, the terminology of of you know impermanent loss, which is a terrible name. It's really opportunity cost. So because you did this thing, you you sold the the asset that was performing better, and you bought more of the, the asset that was performing worse. So if the market reverses, then you get back to even, and it's all fine. That's that's where the impermanent thing comes in. But if it's a permanent trend, then that that loss becomes permanent. So Ethereum is a trending asset currently in an up cycle. Dark Energy Crystals is designed as a relatively stable asset to be plus or minus around that 1000 Splintoshi level. And I know Rondon doesn't like me calling it Splintoshis, but you know, the market has spoken. Well, I have spoken. <laughs> I've accepted Agrid's term of Splintoshis. So, you know, as we've seen over the last couple of months that people, that's been the market history is that people are, are spending Ethereum and they're buying dark energy crystals and you know some people have not been real thrilled with the way that's that's turned out in order to make up for that there's the liquidity pool incentives and the dark energy crystal inflation that is assigned to the liquidity pool providers and i i'm not i haven't done the math on it because i'm actually not in the liquidity pool anymore i was i had some some dark energy crystals in there while i was preparing for lands but then once the pre-sale came out and i i used those funds in order to pay for my lands purchase so now I'm dark energy crystal, you know, poor <laughs> and, and don't have enough to, to be fiddling around with liquidity pools. So now there's this new pool that's being created and it's going to be dark energy crystals versus die. And that's a lot more attractive because your impermanent loss should be, should be with asterisks on that way lower because die is a stable coin. It stays around $1. Dark energy crystal stays around one one thousandth of a dollar. So, you know, it'll be a thousand to one, but that ratio will be you know, it'll fluctuate, but it'll be in the, it'll be in the ballpark. So stablecoin versus stablecoin-ish is a lot more attractive than stablecoin versus trending asset that's in a bull trend. So, you know, I think, I think I would not be surprised to see way more liquidity move from Ethereum into the die pool. And Flowey was asking, when is the best time to, to pool? And so this, this is part of the, part of the, the caveats with any kind of Uniswap pool is that it's built on Ethereum, uh, which is great. Ethereum is a widely used asset in the crypto world. However, it's also terrible in the sense that you have gas fees. So gas fees have been high for a, a while now, <laughs> you know, the more, the more the price of Ethereum goes up, the more expensive gas is. And not just in absolute terms, but in relative terms as well. So you kind of have like a compounding effect. 
you know, people are jumping into Ethereum assets, whether it's Ethereum itself or ERC-20s or whatever. And, you know, the more transactions are on the network, the more you have to pay to get placed into those, into that transaction queue. And the, the funds that you're paying in Ethereum are now worth more. So you have this kind of two second order effect, which is, uh, which is painful. So, you know, I've got a bunch of funds pooled on curve and I've been waiting for like a week now to, fu to find a window where the gas was low enough that it made sense to actually do the transaction. Cause I'm not going to spend 50% of my earnings in, in gas fees. That's just crazy. I'll just wait <laughs> in the meantime, I might miss the peak and curve, but who knows? So I have found, and you can, you can look up historical charts of gas prices, but I have found like, like Sunday, early morning, U S time, like, like six in the morning, Eastern time in the U S it is probably like the absolute low of gas prices for the week. Uh, basically before the Americans wake up, is is a decent time to transact because you know asia's kind of already done its thing for the day europe is still a prime time but there's fewer of them and so that seems like a good time to to be trading on the ethereum network uh, solo's posting transactionstreet.com slash v slash eth a fun way to visualize eth transactions yeah great you know so Anytime you're dealing with smart contracts, your gas fees are higher. So just keep that in mind. But it's going to scale depending on the overall network congestion on Ethereum. Now, when <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, when you when Ethereum 2.0 comes out someday, two years, it's always two years in the future. But whenever that actually happens, then gas fees should go way down, like by a couple of orders of magnitude. And then, of course, transaction counts will go up. So will it actually end up being a savings? We'll see. But I think, I think it will. That's, that's my expectation. So as far as, as, far as timing to, to, to do those transactions, you know, it's going to suck. But, you know, it's going to be before the U.S. wakes up is, is my general uh, advice. And you, you can look at, the, look at the different visualizers and stuff and try to pick your, pick your shot there. But so I think we're going to see a lot less impermanent loss in the deck die pool than in the deck ETH pool. So I think that's going to be way more attractive. An interesting tidbit, though, is that so now that there's going to be two Uniswap pools, then your the 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 market feed price for Dark Energy Crystals when doing market transactions, you know, buying cards, selling cards, whatever, is that, you know, they're going to they're going to balance the price between the two pools based on liquidity. Let's see. So that's this paragraph right here. And oh, another element to consider is that the the total liquidity pool incentives are going to be balanced, you know, throughout all the liquidity providers. And I know I know some people were complaining in the Discord about that, but I, I actually don't think that's that big a deal because if you are X percent of the deck ETH pool, you're still probably going to be X percent of the deck ETH pool plus the deck die pool because I don't think we're going to get so much new liquidity out of it. It'll just shift around. But he says finally, the deck price feed used in game will switch to a liquidity weighted average of the price between the two Uniswap pools. This means that if one of the pools has double the liquidity of the other pool, then that pool's price will be weighted twice the smaller pool when calculating the average. Now, this will ensure that if one pool is very low liquidity and is therefore subject to a larger price swings, it will not be able to significantly skew the average price, the average feed price. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So I'm happy to see that approach. And, you know, there's, there's the blurbs about market dynamics and risks. And obviously everybody who signed up for this, you know, has agreed to the risks, but obviously nobody really wants to, nobody's happy about losing Ethereum and, and gating deck. I mean, that's at least what, that's my takeaway from all the chatter that's been in discord. A uh, small, small technical tidbit season rating changes are changing a little bit 
so if you are if you end up in silver one you're going back to bronze one instead of silver three so that you know provides that that league level adjustment that apparently was missing in silver one i wasn't even aware of but apparently that was a thing and Flau is asking what happens when eth continues to rally eventually all the eth will be an impermanent loss and only deck remains in the pool will the pool so no that doesn't happen because it's it's a it's not it's not a one-to-one -one relationship it, it becomes skewed over time and you can't actually drain a pool of one side of the theorem because the other side just gets more expensive uh, so i've actually i actually wrote a, a post on that uh a long time ago so you know it's 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 a like a one over x kind of uh, relationship and I can't remember the term for that. Inverse, uh, whatever it is. So, you know, as, as you try to, to take more and more out, then the other side gets more and more expensive and becomes impossible to move the price anymore. So basically you can drain, uh, you can drain things by about half at a time. And, and that'll, that's sort of the limit. But you can play around with this in the Uniswap screen of like putting in different values for how much, how much volume you want to transact of one side and see how much you get out of the other. Once you go above a certain number, the other side stops changing, at least stops changing very much. So, you know, that's, it's, you can't, you can't drain it of everything and it takes a, an extremely long time. So we actually saw that in the, in the wrapped Leo hack, when somebody figured out how to mint wrapped Leo on Ethereum and then was cashing it out for Ethereum. So they had to do it multiple times in order to get the price to drop sufficiently in order to, to to scam away with that with that ethereum amounts but you know is what it is i was trying to see if i can find that post for you but it's, it was a while back also biz we should talk about concerns about the new pool it doesn't necessarily decrease anyone's rewards and could possibly even increase rewards depending on how the liquidity is split yeah i mean i i i personally think that the the market answer is going to be more liquidity is going to be in the die pool than, than the ethereum pool and that's simply because the the impermanent loss issues will be much much reduced so you know we'll see how it goes but you know the the rewards are going to be the same because you know what your the way your rewards decrease overall is if more people join the pool and you know whether that will happen or not who knows but you know just going from one pool to two pools doesn't actually do anything as far as your reward percentages so i hope that makes sense and i wanted to talk about a bunch more stuff but it's looking like we're about out of time you know it's amazing how fast this hour goes by and i just want to thank each and every one of you for coming in and hanging out with me for the last hour and all everybody who's watching on the replays, you know, come on in, join the join the live show. I know it's not a great time for everybody, but there's always going to be, you know, some people that are available. So hope to see you all next time.